one here. And Jeremiah chapter number, what is it, 31, 33? My mind has gone blank. Jeremiah 31, Matthew 22, Jeremiah 31. Church, we are glad to be with you tonight. And uh, at the end of the service, as Pastor has said, we'll tell you some things about our ministry. But let's hear the word of God tonight. Matthew chapter 22, Jeremiah chapter number 31. We'll read Jeremiah first and then read Matthew 22. The Bible said in Jeremiah 31 verse three, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me saying, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Now Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22. The Bible says this in verse, uh, well let's back up a little bit into uh, verse number 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second, he didn't ask about the second, but the Lord thought he'd tell him. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, Lord God, for your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you're meeting with us already tonight. Thank you for the songs that you give the saints. God, we thank you. Lord, I pray now that you'd still our hearts to hear a word from heaven. Every child of God hear exactly what they need to hear. Lord, that would draw us closer to you. And God, that would make us, Lord, be the vessels that we can be to our greatest extent for your use. Lord, I pray if there's anyone lost listening, I pray that you'd draw them, God, unto thyself. Lord, that they would do exactly just like the Bible says. For the Bible said to be saved, thou shalt call upon the name of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. And I pray that they would do just that. Lord, I raise my hand to you and bless you tonight, Father. Lord, with all of my heart, I bless you tonight. Speak deeply into our souls, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I don't generally preach long, so if you'll stay with me, I'll get you to the ending. But I wanna bring out three things very quickly to tonight. We've read from two different passages, and if you were paying attention, there's one word in both of those passages. In Jeremiah chapter 31, Jeremiah gave us a word from the Lord. This is what God said. He said, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. I want to say first of all that you need to realize that God loves you. And I know we would readily say, I realize that preacher, but we really don't day in and day out realize that God loves us. The devil plagues us with things. Our past creeps up on our heart. And we sink into guilt. Why in the world did I do that? Oh, that I didn't have that sin scar on my life. 
troubles come into our life and Satan begins to whisper and if we're not careful, we'll listen and we'll think, well, why has God put me in this? Why is God being mean to me? Why is God allowing this? If God can get you to a place of not believing that, if Satan can get you to a place of not believing that God loves you, he can stall you out for God. And I'd say that a whole lot of God's people are in that place where they really don't know. Day in and day out that God loves them. We sing a little song from the children, Jesus loves me, this I know, but we really don't know it. You would be surprised how many Christians live through this day wondering if God's even paying attention to them. I'm gonna tell you something. God said that, if I, that, that he as a father, if we love our children the way, how much more does your heavenly father love you? Let me tell you something. I'm always mindful of my children. I'm always interested in where my children are. I'm always looking for ways that I can bless my children. And what you need to do is get yourself in a frame of mind and heart to accept the fact that God loves you. You can't change God loving you. You can't make God love you. There's not a thing in the world that you can do that'll cause God to love you more. There's not a thing you can do that would cause God to withdraw his love from you. Even if you're lost here tonight, I'm gonna tell you something, the key verse of it all, John chapter three, verse 16, that Lisa quoted, for God so loved the world, that's you tonight, dear sinner. You say, I don't know God. I don't know what you people are talking about. And you're filled with a world that hates God, that shakes their fist at God, a world that hates Jesus Christ, that blows my mind. When Jesus came, he said, I'm not come to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. What in the world's wrong with, with this world to hate the Savior? God so loved the world. His love for everyone is based solely upon his son and the saving sacrifice of himself for each and every one of us. You didn't do a thing to earn his love to get saved. And as a Christian, you don't do a thing in the world to earn his love today. He loves you of his own sovereign authority and free will. And if you'd ever come to terms to the fact that God loves me, that God loves you, he'll change your walk with God. Years ago in seminary, a professor was talking about God and a student stood up and said, I don't believe in God. The professor was unraveled. He said, explain to me what you mean. Describe this God you don't believe in. And this student stood there and just spewed out vehement words against God, talking about how God was so vengeful and unlovely. And when he got done, the professor said, I don't believe in that God either. He said, because I read in the word of God that my God is love. And he began to tell the student about the love of God but in truth, how do you describe God's love to somebody? How do you describe to a blind person what a rose looks like? How do you describe Handel's Hallelujah Chorus to a deaf person? 
How do you describe the impeccable, infinite love of God to an impure, finite, filthy human being? It's beyond us. It's something you've got to receive from God. Song of Solomon chapter two, verse four. She said, he brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. I'm trying to tell you tonight, God loves you, God loves you. There's a famed theologian from Germany that came to the United States years back. His name was Karl Barth. He was visiting some of the seminaries and in one of the seminaries it is said that one of the students said, Dr. Barth, what is the single most important truth that you have learned? Barth replied, the most important thing I have learned is this, Jesus loves me, this I know. You young people listen to me tonight. There's a whole lot that'll try to tell you God don't love you. When the prodigal was in the hog pen, lost everything because he went out and filthied himself up with sin in the world. I imagine probably that hog farmer would come out there and say, God don't love you. Father don't love you. Ain't nobody loves you. Look what you've done. But that's not reality. That's the truth. We've, we lost almost an entire generation because they were so raised under some doctrines that when they messed up, they thought God was completely done with them. That is not scriptural. God loves you. You say, well, what about what I did do? Thank God for Jesus Christ. God loves you. You, it is not based on your performance. It is based totally on his son. That's why when you feel like dirt in God's eyes, you have to realize that Jesus Christ is standing between you and God as your savior and God's love is running pure and sure and flowing down upon you yet still. Then let me say number two, not only does God love you, but God expects you to love others. See, in Matthew chapter 22, it's actually all the Herodians, the uh, Sadducees, the Pharisees, each one of them has come to the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 22, and they tried to find fault with the Savior. And so what we read was the Pharisees. This is the last straw. I mean, the Herodians failed. The Sadducees failed. In fact, one place in the Bible said, they said, uh, uh, I never man spake like this man. I mean, they just couldn't catch it in any kind of words or anything. But now they've sent, the Pharisees have sent a lawyer. How I many you know a lawyer? I mean, you, I mean, you pulling up the big guns. They've sent a lawyer to try to catch Jesus in legality in his words. See, that lawyer came by and asked, what's the greatest commandment? In his mind, I remember one time where the disciples were going through the cornfield. Remember, they were just plucking corn, shucking it and eating it right there. And they weren't obeying the Pharisees' law that they had created that said you've got to wash your hands before you eat. I mean, it was a sin. If you didn't wash your hands before you, not God didn't make it a sin. Mankind made it a sin. We got a whole lot of that going on. And so there's no doubt. I mean, maybe, maybe expected Jesus to say, well, cleanliness is next to godliness. 
Many times Jesus would help somebody on the Sabbath, straighten out an arm, lift a little old bit woman's back up. I mean, do great things. He'll heal a man of his blindness on the Sabbath day. And they were they were angry about that. And maybe that lawyer was going to catch him in violating the law. He expected Jesus to answer the question. The greatest commandment is that you would remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There's a whole lot of religion these days. That ain't what he said. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. This is the first commandment. And then look here, if your Bible's still open, verse number 39, the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor. The lawyer didn't ask about the second one, but the Lord felt like he needed to point out what the second commandment is. You know why? Because we have a problem with the first commandment, but we really have a problem with the second commandment. We don't like each other a lot of times. We're mean to each other. In fact, the Bible said that the world will know that we're God's children because we have love one for another. That's why they're looking at us thinking we aren't God's children. And so it's our responsibility. I have a responsibility to love you. You have a responsibility to love this side of the church. We don't get to pick and choose who we're gonna love. The Bible, Jesus said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. When you walk into Walmart, child of God, Christian by title, you have no right before heaven itself to hate that one with the piercings everywhere, to hate that barista at Starbucks with the needle tracks on her arm and her hair a different way. You have no right to hate your neighbor. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. John said in 1 John twice, he said, God is love. You read the gospel of John. John refers to himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know why he said that? Because he understood that God loved him. But then he also understood that God is complete love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, very quickly, I'm gonna read this with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I wanna carry you through. I'm gonna do no harm to the word of God. You watch what I'm about to do. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 tonight. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not Christ, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not Christ, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not Christ, it profiteth me nothing. Christ suffereth all. Christ is kind. Christ envieth not. Christ vaunteth not himself. Christ is not puffed up. Doth not, Christ doth not behave himself unseemly. Christ Christ seeketh not his own. Christ is not easily provoked. Christ thinketh no evil. Christ rejoiceth no and not in iniquity. But Christ rejoiceth in truth. Christ beareth all things. Christ believeth all things. Christ hopeth all things. Christ endureth all things. Christ never faileth. And now abide of faith and hope and Christ, these three, but the greatest of these is Christ. You say, how, how, how are you doing that? Listen to me tonight. When Jesus came, he came with the love of God. It had never been displayed among men. 
Because only, only God can display God's love. You following me? And so when the Christians began, when the, when the people began to get saved, there was such a distinct nature. You following me? That, that they had about them now. And there was no word in the Greek language to define what they were seeing and experiencing. And therefore, charity is a supernatural word that was birthed out of seeing Christ in people and they said, this is charity. This is Christ in action. This is love in action. And they created a brand new supernatural word. And we walk around talking about I'm a Christian and there's no Christ coming out of us. There's no love of God coming out of us. And Jesus said the second greatest commandment. He said we would love one another. We're eat up these days with division. We can't even get along with sister churches. We can't even get along within a church itself. And Jesus said the second greatest commandment is that you'd have charity. You'd have me flowing through you. See, the Bible says the love of God shed abroad in our heart. When I get near you, God help me, God help you. I know I'm preaching exactly what both of us need to hear tonight. But God help me. When I get near you, the love of God, Christ, is supposed to flow out of me towards you. You picking up what I'm laying down tonight? Be real careful about this thing about saying we're a Christian. It's not a religious set of rules. It's not how well you dress to come to church. It ain't about that. It's about Christ flowing through you. Let me give you this last one and get done. There's a love of God for us. There's a love we're to have one for another. But then there is the first and greatest commandment. We're to love God. We're supposed to be loving God. In my devotions, Pastor, I'm in 1 John. And uh, I believe it's in chapter 2 where I'm at. He said, love not the world, neither things that are in the world. Any man love the world, the love of the Father is not any. Young people don't fall in love. Boys don't fall in love with your cars. Girls don't fall in love with their image. Adults, quit falling in love with all them things. We're supposed to only love our God. If that is taken out of your life tomorrow, is it going to devastate you? Is it going to devastate you? See, when you love God, those things can come and go. Even Isaac... God said, Abraham, you take your son whom thou lovest, thine only son whom thou lovest. Sacrifice him unto me. I really think there's an exchange that went on there, whether it's in quietness or whatever. I think there's an exchange that went on there. God did not want Isaac. <laughs> God wanted Abraham's heart. And if he has to, 
He'll take that thing away from you. To get you to realize he means to be the greatest love of your life. I remember years ago, Lady and I in our young age, it's me and her and Ashley and Lisa. One day she said, Sean, she said, I don't know how to do it. She said, I don't know how to give up. My child, I don't know how to give up. You don't know how to give this up. And I said, Lydia, God ain't asking you to give it up forever. He's not intending to take us. What he's trying to do is get you to just give us up and love him above us. And I said, you need to just spend some time with God and lay us at his feet and say, I love you more. I love you more. When Peter messed up, I'm telling you, in my opinion, Pastor Peter did the greatest sin in all of the Bible. He looked at the Son of God and cussed him out. You don't do worse than that. Jesus rose from the grave and he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. Go tell my disciples and Peter. Go tell my disciples and Peter. The Bible said when Peter did that, caught, crowed three times, thrice, it said Peter went out and wept bitterly. There's no place in the word of God, if you'll study this out, that the Lord met specifically only with Peter and we don't even know what the conversation was. Doesn't say anything about it, Paul tells us about it. I really do believe that the Lord kept telling Peter, go tell Peter I'm risen. And Peter's kind of shying away, I messed up. Oh, I dubbed up sin so bad. And then he met him somewhere privately, said, Peter, Peter, I paid it on the cross, I love you. Peter still couldn't get it. How many children of God don't get it? I need to go further with the story, but I want to tell you, John said we love him because he first loved us. You cannot love God any more than you know his love for yourself. Peter didn't get it. So in John chapter 21, Peter, he, he, I, I messed up so bad, youngins. He said, I messed up so bad. I, I'm just gonna go back to the world. I'm gonna go back to what I know. So he gets out there fishing. And the Lord comes along. John said, that's the Lord up there on the beach. Peter jumps in the water swimming to the Lord because he wants God. He wants to be right with God. How many Christians are drowning in their guilt, drowning in their shame because they don't realize that the love of God is way bigger than they mess up if they just come to him. Peter swam to the shore. Jesus got him a fire laid out there and and set them all down, but it wasn't about nobody but Peter. Jesus orchestrated a party, a family meetup with a bunch of fish so that he could speak directly to Peter. And he said, Peter, watch these words. He said, lovest thou me? Peter said, you know I love you. He said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Peter, do you love me more than you love this fishing, this hobby, this job? You love me more than these? Peter, do you love me more than this guilt that's eating your soul up? You're just going to hold on to that and sink down under that for the rest of your life? Or are you going to let go of that and love me? <laughs> 
Peter, you love me more than these disciples? Because I know they've been running their mouth and talking about how you messed up. You love me more than them? Because if you do, you have to just close your ears and walk on with me and feed my sheep. I'm done. Lydia, come to the piano. There is in the Vietnam War story. There was an orphanage that was hit by a misdirected mortar. And in that orphanage, there was a little girl that actually got bad hurt when it hit that building. The French doctor and the French nurse gathered all the children together, sat them down, had the little girl out on a, uh, out on a pallet there. And they didn't speak Vietnamese very well, but the best they could say, they said, said they called her name out and said, she's, she's going to die. She's badly wounded. They said, she's going to die unless she gets some blood. They had already tested themselves. They weren't right. And she, they, said, they said, she's going to die unless somebody will volunteer from y'all to give her blood. They waited. They watched all the children. In a minute, a little hand went up and it came back down. And then as though he got some confidence and boldness and strength, that young man's hand went straight up and he held it straight up in the air, trembling. They quickly called him forward, they laid him down, they put the tube in her arm, they put it around and they put it in his arm. And as they were putting it in his arm, he began to cry. They got it seated in his arm and he's crying, crying and then the blood begins to go out and he sees the blood go out of his arm and he begins to shudder and cry. He shoves his fist in his mouth and he is squalling. About that time, a Vietnamese nurse came in, quickly ran over to the little boy and asked what his name was. He said his name was Hang through his tears and, and, and she told them, said his name is Hang. And the doctor said, why is he crying like this? What is wrong? Is he hurting? What is wrong? She turned to the little boy and she said, Hey, why are you crying so much? What's wrong? Is it hurting? He said, no, it's not hurting. She said, what's wrong then? He told her what was bothering him. She spoke something back to him and he began to calm down. And she stood up and she turned to the doctor and to the nurse and she said, she said, he's all, all right now. They said, what was wrong? What's wrong? She said, he thought that all of his blood was going into her body and that he was going to die. They said, well, why did he volunteer then? She turned and asked, hey, hey, why did you volunteer if you thought he was gonna kill you? His response lit her world up. She turned around and looked at that French doctor and French nurse and she said, he said the reason that he volunteered it's because she is his friend. Paul said, what? Know ye not you're bought with a price? Right. 
Therefore, glorifying God. Young people, it's not a burden. It's not a set of standards and laws. It's about loving God at the expense of losing your life to Him and letting Him glorify Himself in and through you. Child of God, do you really love Him tonight? And if you're lost in here tonight, I can't say it any plainer. God really does love you. Let's stand and bow our heads. Father, we love you tonight. God, thank you for loving us. Lord God, I pray that you'd speak into our hearts. Lord, I ask that every child of God that would would come down to this altar tonight and say before you, God, I love you. Show me if there's something else more important in my heart. And it may be some, some child of God needs to come and say, God, I'm sorry for holding on to my guilt. I'm crucifying you daily. I'm trying to crucify you daily. When you paid it all, help me right here tonight to let go of my shame, of my past and my guilt and live in your love here to forward. Now I ask you if you're lost here tonight, Pastors up here, workers are up here. We'll take some time. We'll take some time to show you that God really does love you tonight. As they begin to sing, please meet with God tonight. He really does love you. How neat the Father's love for us, children of God. You don't have to earn it. It's already there. You don't have to maintain it. He fully and completely loves you. So it's not about doing a bunch of works. It's about falling in love with Him and by that love, ministering His love to the world around us. Oh, get with God tonight. Sing, girls. Oh, yes! You sang tonight. When did you get born again? When did you have that moment in your life when you were done with yourself, tired of your sin, and you believed on Jesus Christ, called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior? When did you do that? When did you do that? Are you saved tonight? I wouldn't leave the house of God. Hear the message about God loves me. I wouldn't leave the house of God angry at God. I wouldn't leave the house of God wondering if God loves me. I wouldn't leave the house of God neglecting and turning my back against his son. God really does love you tonight. God loves you. You so much you stay him. Stay till he paid it. Before the shame. Before the pain. Pay. Because he loves you. God loves you tonight. Amen. Hey.
Amen. Praise the Lord. As she continues to play softly here tonight, folks are still at the altar here this evening. What a great message. I'll tell you what, I'm thankful that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. I'm glad that Jesus loves me. I'm glad that he loves you. I'm glad that God sent his son, his only begotten son down to this world to make a way for you and me to get to heaven. If it wasn't for Jesus, all of us here tonight would have no hope. We'd be lost and on our way to a devil's hell. But something every one of us has gotten to realize and at some point if you're saved here tonight, you're just like me and you've, that one time you've done it, but if you're here tonight and you're lost and you never accepted Christ as your Savior, there's one thing you've got to understand. One thing you've got to understand about yourself. As Brother preached on tonight, you can't get to heaven on your own good merits. You ain't going to get there by just being a part of a Baptist church or any other church. Just because your name's on a roll, just because you show up on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or come in for Sunday school or just because you drop some money in the offering plate, just because your mom and dad go there, just because they're charter members, none of it makes any difference. All of it amounts to, you know what, back, back home we would call it a hill of beans. It don't amount to anything. When we get saved, it's all about Jesus. And that's it. But we got to realize where we are. We got to see ourselves. Yes, we're sinners. From the pulpit to the pew here tonight. Every single one. All of us need Christ. And I'm saved and on my way to heaven. And every day, I got to get on my face before God. Say, God, please be merciful to me, a sinner. And I'm glad that his mercies are renewed every morning, but still, I have to ask God to help me every day to live for him. Every single day. I battle myself. I battle the world. Battle all kinds of things, and you do too. Christ is the only one that can give us victory. If you're lost here tonight, just see where you are. See, there ain't no way for you to get there on your own. All of us has missed the mark. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can make it on our own. But the Lord Jesus is the one that bridged the gap between heaven and hell with his precious blood. And his body there on that cross was made a way for you and me to get to heaven. And the Bible tells us that his hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. And so that means that no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, God can reach down to the depths of the blackness of that sin and lift us up. And as I tell you often, he can reach you where I possibly couldn't. I can't get down there to where you are. God can. I can't lift you up to be for you to be where you need to be, but the Lord Jesus can. Listen, I can't save you, but I can do this. I can't point you to the one that can reach down there. I can't reach, I can't point you to the one that has the power to lift you up out of it. I can do that. All of us here this evening. Did you see where we are? 
I need Christ tonight? Hey, and if you're saved, man, praise God. Your name's lit, written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I tell you, we got a lot to shout about this evening. We got a lot to shout about. But even though we're saved, it still don't mean we ain't going. Still don't mean we ain't going to sin. Still don't mean we ain't going to mess up. Still don't mean we ain't going to get dirty. But I'm thankful I can go to the one that can cleanse me up and wash me clean. We get ready to leave here tonight. and You just think about yourself and you think about your life. Because what does the Bible say about it? It is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It lasts this long. And that's it. Our time here is this short. And that's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. The Bible don't say wait till tomorrow. It don't say wait the next hour. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The Bible also goes on to say, call upon him while he's near. And if God's knocked on the door of your heart, then you need to answer. Ask God for help tonight. As we get ready to close, we're going to pray, and then I'll have our folks go to the back, and we'll take up a love offering. But as we do all this, you just remember your life and Ask yourself, do I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm on my way to heaven? Eternity is a long time to be wrong. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this night. God, you've been so good. Lord, I pray to just bless our time here together tonight as we get ready to take up the love offering here in just a moment. I just, just pray, Lord, that uh, you would just uh, speak to every heart, God, before we leave here tonight. Lord, just help us to see who we are. Help us to see who we need. Help us, God, remember your love. And help us, God, also to, as we remember your love to us, that we would also show others the love that you have shown us. We thank you for it, Lord, here tonight. And this we pray in Jesus' name. You can be seated here for just a moment.